0: We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, so we can turn to chapter 5. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Acts chapter 5. Last week, yeah, we talked about Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, we talked about community. We talked about giving. This week we're going to be, the, the title of tonight's sermon is Wax or Clay. Wax or Clay. There's an old Puritan saying that Spurgeon used to quote, and they just used to say it a lot, that the the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. So tonight we're going to be talking about two types of hearers. There's two types of people who, when they hear the word, they react different ways. We're talking about nine reactions that will change how you spend eternity. Okay. So we are picking it up in verse 17. The this is the very beginning of the Christian faith. Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. He has set up Peter as the leader of this early church. And Peter is preaching. The apostles are preaching. And the the church and the community, they're growing very rapidly. So that's where we're at right now. People are being healed. People are being saved. And in verse 17, it says, Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. Uh, this is not the laying on of hands of the elders who receive the Holy Spirit. This is, uh, this is a, a different laying on of hands. So, I, like I said, I have nine points tonight. The first three are in these first two verses. The laying on of hands here, as I said, it's not a laying on of hands to, to pray for or to heal. So uh, the nine reactions that will change how you spend eternity, the first one is, again, all of these are gonna be a choice. So the laying on of hands to harm instead of to heal. So are you laying hands on people? are Are you trying to control people when you're interacting with them? Or are you doing it in order to pray for them or bring healing to them? So the laying on of hands to harm or to heal. That's the choice. That's the question. Uh, that's the type of hearer. You hear the word of God, you're reacting to it. So that's number one. Number two is they are filled with indignation or some, some of your versions might say jealousy. This is number two. The option is to be filled with indignation when you hear the word of God or to be filled with the spirit. That's the, the Uh, sort of sermon that Peter has continually been preaching, right? Repent, have faith in Jesus, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's been preaching, that's what he's been leading people to do, and people are receiving the Spirit. These people hear that same sermon, and they are filled not with the Holy Spirit, but with indignation, with anger, and with jealousy. Number three, the option is to Imprison or to set free? So when you're laying on, you know, we talked about the laying on of hands, or when you're interacting with people, are you trying to control people? Are you trying to imprison them? It says in verse 18 that they put them in the common prison. Are they trying to set people free which is the ministry of Jesus Jesus said that he came to set captives free which is a fulfillment of what Isaiah talked about what the Christ would do. Setting people free from what was just keeping them captive, setting people free from their sins setting people free from worldly things that's the ministry of Jesus that he transferred to Jesus and has been transferred to us as well. So are are we trying to control people or are we trying to Tell Them about the gospel so that they can be set free. As we continue in verse 19, it says, But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. What is this life that he's speaking of? We all obviously know it's the life that Jesus has given to us Christians. Jesus said that in John chapter 6, he said, The words that I speak to you, they are of spirit and they are life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Right. So the life obviously is Jesus. But he also, when he does set us free, when we do have faith in him, when we are filled with his spirit, he gives us new life, and that's life eternal. We will spend eternity with him if we have faith in Jesus and everything he did and said. So we are to speak all the words of the life that Jesus has given us. We're not sort of dead in our captivity of sin, but we are set free from those things, and we are uh, living this new life that Jesus has given us. Verse 21 it says, And when they heard that, speaking of the apostles, of course, when they heard this commandment from the angel, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. This is number four. When you hear the word of God, are you acting in obedience or disobedience? They, we see here they didn't wait till late in the you know morning, late in the afternoon. Uh, as soon as they were able they obeyed. Early in the morning, it says that they went and taught. They went into the temple, which is what the angel told them to do, and they began teaching. They were obedient right away. When you hear the word of God, are you obedient right away? Or do you sort of stall say, yeah, God, I'm going to do that. But I just need to take care of a few things. We've all said that, man, if God would just tell me his will for my life, if God would just tell me what to do, show up, if an angel showed up, then I would just do that thing. But do we always do that? And so the thing that we need to learn from this is if God tells you to move, if God tells you to do something, don't hesitate. Just do it. Just as soon as you are able, just do the thing. And this is something that Jesus really sort of made very clear to all of his followers, not to hesitate, but just to simply obey. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus tells a man, come and follow me, like, be a part of my ministry, come come with me. And the guy's like, oh, you know, uh, I, let me bury my father first, and then I'll follow you. And Jesus' response, some see it as, as sort of harsh, but he says, let the dead bury the dead, but you go preach the kingdom of God. And again, some people see that as harsh, but A lot of things can be said about that story. We don't know if the guy's dad was even dead yet. If he was just waiting, you know, he's sick, you know, he may have been dead. But the point is, Jesus is saying, I am giving you a calling. I'm giving you a purpose now. And there's no time to just put off what God's command is in your life. And like I said, we all have been at that point of like, man, God just, if you were just telling me what to do, then I would do it. But then he tells us something to do, and we're like, "Well, God, like, what else? Like, what else do you want me to do?" <laughs> do we say, "Yeah, God, like, I, I'm totally going to do that," but first let me, like, you know, do the dishes, or oh, I, I wanted to hang out with this person over here, or do whatever the excuse is that we give to sort of put off that thing that God has told us to do. And sometimes, as we've talked about, sometimes what God wants you to do is simply love people better. And that was something that God told me years ago, and and. I didn't take it seriously right away. I wanted him to tell me like this big grandiose thing that he wanted me to do but it was like let's start with the small stuff first so you can grow into the stuff that I want you to do later. Love people right. And so when we get a commandment like that from God it's not just like oh okay what do I know about love? I'm just going to do that more. No, what is God's idea of love? What does he think love is and how, do, how should I be loving in the way that he wants me to love? So whatever that, I'm not saying that's you know exactly what God wants you to do that's what God wants us all to do but I'm saying like, there's specific things that he calls you to do that sometimes honestly we just delay and I, I've heard Johnny speak many times just in his experience with his kids he's come to the truth and the realization that delayed obedience is disobedience mm. he'll tell his kids hey stop doing that and they'll look at him they'll register what he says but they're just sort of keep doing it. They're going to stop, but they're still doing what he told them to stop doing. And he's like, I'm not joking around, like, stop. So that, delayed the obedience, they will stop, they're planning on stopping, but they're just not doing it yet. That is disobedience. And we do the same thing with God, as he says, do this thing, right? Yeah, totally, like, I hear you, And then we just don't do it. And, and we don't realize that it's a serious thing sometimes, but even if it is a simple thing, that he's telling you to do. If you're reading the word and, and something grabs you and you're like, oh, I think God wants me to sort of focus in on that thing, and then we don't, that is disobedience. So how do we react to the word of God with obedience or disobedience? So another question that I want you to not necessarily answer here, but maybe contemplate and ask yourself later, pray about it is, what has God asked or told you to do already? What has God already said do this thing? Because a lot of the time people are like, oh, I, I just don't know what God wants me to do. And I've heard many pastors say that this is one of the main complaints that they get from people in their church. Oh, I just wish God would tell me what to do. I just don't know what God to do. And i like, okay, well, what's the last thing that God told you to do? Like, well, I feel like he told me to, you know, whatever it is, love people more, love people better. Okay, well, did you do that? Uh, well, I... I try. No, I guess I didn't really do that. Okay, we'll start there, because he gives you a step by step sometimes, and as we grow, he gives us a, a better and higher calling. Continuing in verse 21 it says, But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. So when we talk about the, uh, it says council here, this is the Sanhedrin, it's it's the high priests, it's the um, religious leaders of the time, but they weren't just religious leaders, this is like also political leaders of the time. This is the people that were sort of leading the Jewish nation at that time, they were under control of Rome, but they were still sort of leading the, the people as sort of like governors. So. They were religious leaders, they were political leaders, and they're going to put together sort of a trial. And they're going to bring the apostles out, hear them, make a judgment, and decide how they will be punished, basically. Verse 22 it says, But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guard standing outside. Before the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. This is incredible. Like, this is a crazy cool miracle. And I don't know if you guys are into sci-fis, but you've for sure seen sci-fis. And every sci-fi has a thing in it where either somebody gets beamed or there's <laughs> apparating, right? Where they just, like, disappear from one place and they appear in another place. Like, that's what happened... And that's what the Holy Spirit did for the apostles. And it says earlier that, the, that he opened the gates. So I don't know how that worked, but the gates were shut, locked securely. Their guards were still outside. Somehow they got past all that without being seen. They totally disappeared and appeared somewhere where the Holy Spirit wanted them to be. So this is a, an amazing, cool, fun sort of sci-fi miracle that the Holy Spirit did and this happens actually a couple of times in the Bible where somebody just disappears from here and appears hundreds of miles away and it's one of those crazy cool things that we can't explain but the Holy Spirit moves and miracles happen. Verse 24 Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things they wondered what the outcome would be. This is number five of a choice, a reaction that will change how you spend eternity. When the Holy Spirit moves, do you wonder or do you yield? When you hear a miracle like that has happened, like literally I locked somebody in there to punish them because they were preaching about Jesus and now they're gone with no explanation. They literally are gone and they've been healing people. There's all these miraculous things happening And the Holy Spirit is moving and instead of saying, wow, like maybe we should consider how God is moving, they they wonder how the outcome would be. So when you hear that the Holy Spirit is moving, do you want to be a part of it or do you sort of agnostically wonder how it could happen or if it even happened, sort of doubt? Worse yet, do you just simply not believe whatever miracle is being talked about do you just say nope that didn't happen and sort of quench the Holy Spirit in thinking about that like people do get healed miracles do happen and I'm not saying we should just sort of blindly be like yay and follow everybody who says a miracle happened but I'm just saying like when the spirit clearly and obviously moves do you yield to that and say oh I need to be reacting differently or do you say Yeah, I just sort of wonder. I just don't know. And you don't want to get close to the Holy Spirit, even if it is something obvious that is a miracle. People explain away miracles all the time. People get healed. The doctor says, you got cancer. You got one month to live. Next time they get tested, the cancer's gone, and they live a full and happy, crazy, glorious life. Like, these things happen, and people say, well... These things happen sometimes. We don't really know how to explain it. <laughs> we do. The Holy Spirit moved because people were praying for that person. Uh, there are doctors who cannot explain these sort of crazy things that happen. And there are miracles that that do move. So when the Spirit moves, do you yield to how the Spirit is moving? Or do you question it and sort of wonder what the outcome will be? Verse 25. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the man who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. (laughs) They are right back where they started, where they were told not to be, and they are obeying the angel that, that sent them. Verse 26, then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence for they feared the people lest they should be stoned so the people are really happy that the apostles are like loving them and healing them and doing really cool things and and teaching about the christ and saying you can be saved and all of this really good news like they are totally preaching the gospel loving peter and the other apostles and so the officers are going to arrest them and they're like all right let's not beat them up this time let's sort of be a little more gentle because everyone's going to like gang up on us if we treat them badly 27 and when they brought them they set them before the council and the high priest asked them saying did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name what name Jesus yeah this is number 6 When you hear the word of the Lord, when you hear the gospel, when you hear about Jesus, do you call on the name of Jesus? Do you answer that call of repentance that Peter is putting out? Repent, have faith, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you answer that call and then call out to Jesus? Or do you avoid the name of Jesus? Or worse yet, curse it or use it as a curse name? How do you react to Jesus? (laughs) Uh, continuing in verse 28 and look you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us I don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys remember chapter 2 but Peter's about to preach pretty much the same sermon, a shorter version but the same sermon here in verse 29 I love Peter here and the apostles it says verse 29 but Peter and the the other apostles answered and said We ought to obey God rather than men. This is number seven. A choice, a reaction that will change how you spend eternity. Do you fear God or do you fear men? We are not all always perfect at this. I always just feel terrible. like. I have these opportunities. I meet somebody and there's a oh, I should say something about God here. Oh, here's a here's an opportunity for me to speak up and I hesitate, right? There's that disobedience and then I say nothing and I don't follow through. I don't I have a fear of man that I shouldn't have. Instead of fearing God and and actually caring for this person, um this isn't in my notes, but my dad was telling me a story about this radio station he listens to. Uh, this guy on this radio talk show, not a Christian, doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in Jesus at all. But he was saying, if I, know, if I know someone's a Christian and I talk to them and they don't tell me, they know who I am, they know where I stand, and they don't try and warn me, he's like, I have no respect for that Christian. This is a non-Christian saying this. He says, because if they truly believe that I'm on, my pa- on the path to hell, I'm on this highway and the bridge is out and they don't have the decency to tell me that I'm on my way to death flying off that bridge, what kind of person doesn't at least say, you're on a broken bridge, turn around? That's an intense thing for a non-Christian to say, but it also needs to change our heart and change our perspective. Like the person who doesn't know Christ, like. They're on a bridge that's out. They're heading towards death. And we fear what they might think or say about us in that moment. And instead of saying, you're on a broken bridge, you're on your way to death, we say, well, maybe they don't want to hear that the bridge is out. Maybe they don't want to know that they're heading towards death. They might think that I'm stupid and that maybe they don't believe that the bridge is out. Which doesn't change that the bridge is out. (laughs) Like we need to realize that and think about that when we're talking to people and not be so afraid to act in that moment. And I'm speaking to myself here. I talk to my neighbors all the time and I see those opportunities to say things and I miss them. I'm like, God, I'm sorry. But the thing is we don't beat ourselves up in those moments. We take those times and say, how am I going to act differently in the future? How can I fear God more and know that God the worst thing a person can do to me, Jesus says, is kill me. right? And if they kill us, they bring us closer to our king. They bring us into the kingdom of God. Jesus says, why not fear the person who can kill your body and your soul? That's something that we should consider. If we're not willing to speak up for him in those moments, right? Again, Jesus said, if if you proclaim me In the midst of others, I will proclaim you in front of my Father in heaven. But if you deny me in in front of people, then I'll deny you in front of my Father. That's Jesus' words. That's Jesus' stance. So with our sin of sort of omission, right? I'm not going to say anything. People know we're a Christian. They know we're not saying things when we should be saying things. We're missing the mark there. So don't fear man. Fear God. In this context, they're standing in front of a political and religious authority. And we've talked about this a bit here uh, other nights. We are told to submit to authority, right? We're told to submit to our policemen, to our governors, to our president, not to speak evil of them, but to know that they are an authority and that we are to, to, to submit to them and to respect them. And the breakdown of this is Jesus is our king. Like, first and foremost, as a Christian, Jesus is our king. Always. He tells us to submit to authority. He also says, if that authority makes a rule that goes against something that he has said, goes against something that God has already established, we don't follow that law. This doesn't mean that we say, oh, we disregard all of the authority because of this one law. Now I don't have to obey them at all. They're evil and they're wicked, so I'm just not going to submit. No, that's not how we act. But that thing that is against God, that law we do not submit to. That law we say, that's against God. I will continue to, you know, use the crosswalk, stop at red lights, do the things that I'm supposed to do. But as far as like murdering babies... You know, like the abortion thing, like, no, that is against God's heart. That is against God's command. We do not cross that line. We do not submit to that law. Christians fear God. And again, we misstep, we miss the mark sometimes. We have a little fear of man. We're still growing, he's still sanctifying us. We are working towards the perfection that he wants us to be. But as a Christian, we fear God. And we have no fear of man. And again, I know that that's not always true, but that's how God sees us. And that's what we need to strive to be like, because that's how he wants us to be. Mm-hmm. Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered mm-hmm. by hanging on a tree. Peter, again, just like in chapter 2, he does not shy away and is not afraid to be a little offensive here. <laughs> a little offensive. You killed God. Like, that's that was his whole sermon in chapter 2. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is Lord and Savior, right? He's God and Savior. That's what his point was. And you killed him. And that's that's how we treated God when he came to bring us salvation, to bring us peace, we killed him. And Peter lays it out there. They don't steer clear, and this is something again going back to how do you act when you hear the name of Jesus? Do you proclaim the name of Jesus? Or are you sort of like the the council here is like we told you not to speak in that name. You know the name. The name that shall not be named we told you not to speak in that name. And Peter says, Oh, you mean this name? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Literally, his response is the God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Like, that's the name. Like, that's not dance around it. He raised up Jesus, whom you murdered, preaching the same sermon by hanging on a tree. Johnny taught a couple weeks ago there's power in the name of Jesus we don't shy away from the name of Jesus and, and there have been many who especially when they're in public they don't want to the, if, if they're praying over their meal they don't want to say in Jesus name somebody might overhear somebody might be offended yeah Jesus is not always like the least offensive guy like Jesus offends people Jesus though is truth His words are spirit and and life. His name is power. And so we don't shy away from the name of Jesus. We proclaim it. We call on his name, and then we proclaim it to others. Just like Peter and the apostles do here. They don't steer clear, even though they're warned not to speak in Jesus' name. They do it right away, early and often. You murdered him. By hanging on the tree. Verse 31. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior. Again, very similar to the sermon in chapter 2. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Verse 32. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Again, there's the, that obedience, right? Not just the knowledge of the truth, but the obedience. Again, the ministry of Jesus is both teaching and doing. We need to have both of these things active in our life. And the in verse 32, he says that we're the witnesses, right? Right? And also the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to every Christian, and the Holy Spirit is also a witness within us and through us. He is actually doing the one that's witnessing to others about God. Verse thirty-one. When they heard this, they were. What does your version say? Cut to the quick. Cut to the quick. I like that. Furious. In, furious. That's what mine says. Anyone else? Enraged. Enraged. Say. Enraged. Annie. What for earring first? Thirty three is thirty three When they heard this they were they were enraged. Enraged. Feudous. Cut to the quick. That's probably my favorite one. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <You win. laughs> this is number eight. And and to see something very interesting. Speaking of Peter's sermon in chapter two. Acts two, verse thirty-seven. This is the end of Peter's sermon, right? And it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Mm. They were cut to Perfected. the heart. Cut to the quick. Right? So number eight, the choice, the reaction that will change how you spend eternity. Are you cut to the quick mm. or are you cut to the heart? Wait. What's the difference? That's a good question, because here in chapter 2, right? 3,000 people were saved because they were cut to the heart. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the different words in the original text, in chapter 2, it's a piercing of the heart. And in chapter 3, different word, it's very similar, though. It's, it's a cutting of the heart. So to sort of unpack this a little deeper is because if we read on in 33, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Like their reaction was not like, oh I'm cut to the heart. Like I need to repent and receive the Holy Spirit. Like that is not the conclusion. Their conclusion is ow, that hurt, I'm gonna kill you it's a little dramatic so how do we react with violence or with repentance with with fury, with anger Mm -hmm. or with humility oh that reminds me of like proverbs there's a lot of proverbs that say like if you reprimand a wise man he'll Mm. take it to heart and if you reprimand a fool he'll just be angered or it won't do him any good basically that's exactly that's it that's exactly it so when you are cut to the heart or cut to the quick right do you see it as a surgical cut that is necessary or do you see it as a violence towards you do you see that it's a cut that's needed for life eternal life with God or do you perceive it as something that needs to be defended which will ultimately lead you to death because you're defending against God ooh the word of God kept my heart I'm going to act with anger and push God away or worse what they did plotted to kill the people sent by God the same son that melts the wax hardens the clay. It's the same truth, it's the same name, it's the same sermon, it's the same conviction, but the reaction's different, the choice is different. And ultimately, eternally, the outcome will be different. Number nine, the final thing that will change how you spend eternity. Do you have a soft heart or a hard heart? A heart of wax or a heart of clay? That when you hear the word of God, it hardens. Or is it when you hear the word of God, do you melt? Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 3. We're actually going to read some of chapter 3, some of chapter 4. I would love to read you both chapters and really unpack this. But for time's sake and sanity's sake, I will leave that to your own study. I would suggest reading both of these, really studying into them, unpacking them. There's a ton in here, but we're going to try and stay focused tonight. So, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, okay... And then he quotes this Psalm of David. I I love how uh, not only the writer of Hebrews here, but elsewhere in the Bible it says, as the Holy Spirit says, and then it quotes Old Testament Scripture. And a lot of people will try and say, and uh, Aaron and I were just talking about this yesterday, Mm -hmm. the biggest thing that people say against the Bible is, well, don't you know it was written by man? Okay, yeah, God used man to fulfill his will. That's how he works, how he chooses to work. He doesn't have to let us do his will. That's a huge blessing. And this is, none of this is in my notes, but it's just an incredible truth that we see the Holy Spirit says, and then we read David's words. Because the Holy Spirit filled David, and he was it acting in the will of God when he wrote this. Today, if you will hear his voice, speaking of God's voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness. This is speaking of when Moses and the Israelites were wandering. Where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren. This is no longer quoting Psalms, but the writer of Hebrews continues, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. He continues, but we're going to skip forward. He stays on topic. He's still talking about the same thing, but we're going to pick it up in Hebrews 4, verse 11. It says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Again, that obedience and disobedience theme. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, And is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Everything is laid out for God to see. He sees and knows everything that you've thought, everything that you've done, everything that you are failing in, will fail in have failed in and he is calling you out of that failure into life the word of God will cut you how will you respond when you hear the word of God and you feel that shame, you feel that guilt, you feel, feel that piercing that division of soul and spirit I mean it's cutting right through you when you feel that when you feel the conviction do not harden your heart there's a choice there many will try and say oh you you can't help but have a hard heart you can <laughs> or else the warning wouldn't be right here <laughs> and in the Old Testament and throughout the entire Bible, do not harden your heart. Realize that that's your propensity, that you, you, you are probably going to do that. And ask for help. Say, Holy Spirit, I feel what you're doing. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to respond the way you want me to respond, but I know I should. Help, me, help my unbelief as as the man said in the Gospels. So some questions to consider and pray about. Do you have something in your life that shouldn't be in your life? A person. A, an addiction. Um, a thought. A habit. Is there something in your life that you should not have in your life? Do you have something in your heart that shouldn't be in your heart? Anger. Fury, indignation, jealousy. Guilt. Shame. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. These are things that God wants to set you free from. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit instead of the filthiness that we sort of wallow in. Are you making excuses for the things that shouldn't be in your life or shouldn't be in your heart? Beware. Lest there be in any of you an evil spirit of unbelief. You can recognize it right now and say, I'm done with this. God, I'm not doing great. I'm not doing as well as you want me to help me. And he will. Ask for wisdom, James says, and he will give it freely. In the same passage, it also says to encourage others. Hebrews 3.13 Exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So not only are we ourselves supposed to realize that we might go astray, that we might have this sin of unbelief, but we also need to, if we God puts somebody on our heart or we see somebody that needs encouragement don't hesitate Obey that calling. Encourage them, because it could be the thing that you say to them that keeps them in the will of God instead of going astray, which is exactly what this passage is warning against. Love people. Trust God when he calls you to move. And be sure to not hesitate. While it's called today, it says. If God says, move, move. (laughs) Don't be like me and, and say, Oh God, well, what about this? No. Move. React. Encourage. Love. Speak for God. Don't shy away from the name of Jesus. And do not harden your heart. Bask in that sun that melts the wax and hardens the clay. Know that it's the light of the world. It's, it's Jesus. And know that he will be with you through eternity if you have faith in everything he did and said. Let's close in prayer. Dear God, I just want to thank you so much for, for shining on us all, God. And God, I pray that when we hear your word, when we hear your voice, we don't hesitate We don't harden our hearts, God, but we respond uh, the way that we should, the way that we ought. God, And I pray that you will help us where where we are weak. Help us where we need help. Help us in the weighty things in our hearts and the sins we're making excuses for. God, I pray that you will reveal those things and that you will move in us to expel anything that is not of you, God. I pray that you will fill each of us with your spirit, fill us with your love and your peace, and help us to know how to encourage others, know your will for our lives, even if it's just the next step of doing what may seem like a minor thing in our life, God. It's a step towards sanctification. It's a step towards you, God. So I pray that you will continue to um, speak to us, help us to hear your voice, help us to react the way that we should react, and uh, help us to glorify you in everything we do and say. In Jesus' name. amen. Amen.